You're listening to Lead Time with Dave and Leah Bowden. Audio fuel for young leaders. Welcome to Lead Time Podcast. We are really excited to bring some special guests to you uh, for this edition. Dave, why don't you introduce our guests this evening? We're very excited to have Pete and Bryony Baker with us. Pete oh. and Bryony Baker lead Pays England. Uh, Pete is an expert at making small whooping noises. Uh, and um, these guys... <laughs> yeah, these guys have come uh, on Skype this evening. They've joined us from up north, yeah. and uh, they lead Pays. Pays is a discipleship organisation operating in six different continents. That's not nations; that's actually continents. That's incredible. And they work to equip the local church, and they're raising up hundreds and hundreds of young leaders. Um, who actually go on to raise up leaders themselves. So we're yeah. so privileged to have them Perfect guests for us. on the podcast this yeah. evening to be able to talk about developing young leaders. Um, so, okay, tell us a little bit about yourself before we start. Bryony, why don't we start with you? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, we are up north, as you mentioned. I'm not originally from up north, and I hope the listeners can tell that. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm from a little seaside town called Weymouth in Dorset on the south coast. And I moved north 15 years ago um, for a different mission project, actually, Eden, as part of the message. Oh, well. Wow. Yeah. And through that, connected with Pays. And um, I really enjoy playing netball in my spare time. Nice. Is, spare time. And um, love watching movies as well. Oh, so what, 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 what's the last movie you watched, Bryony? The last one we've actually oh yeah, Instant Family at the cinema. Oh, oh, I've oh seen that. she's seen that and I yeah. haven't, which is really unusual. I liked it. Did you I, cry? Yes, I wept. Did you? Yes. I yeah. wept. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. The last time I cried that much in the cinema, I, I can hold myself together a bit more in the cinema. So I actually watched it on um, a plane ride over to Dallas in February. So it was on the plane, and I so you can't con- you can't cry uncontrollably on a plane. Uh, so I had to hold it in, but the tears were <laughs> yeah. really good movie. You'd love it, Dave. The, yeah, love it. I can't, it's very rare that there's a film that I haven't seen that my wife actually it's true. has. He's always but seen we, them, yeah. The last time we went to the cinema was A Star Is Born, and oh, yeah. um, she was so, sobbing sobbed. at that one as well. So. <laughs> Yes. Well, you haven't seen that one, actually. No, I've seen that one. No. Yeah. You last saw a Marvel movie. Did you sob at that one? No, I didn't sob at that <laughs> okay. one. No. It's all, all about girl power. I don't power. cry, fella. <laughs> Couldn't connect. Um, anyway, back to you. Pete, tell us a bit about yourself. <laughs> so I am from the north, uh, from North Manchester originally, um, and I've lived in the north all my life. When I live in Burnley, even though I'm from Manchester, me and my dad are big Liverpool fans. My dad's a scouser. Nice. And this is the year. I don't know if you believe, but this is the year. <laughs> <laughs> we have friends who, I'm sure. Yeah, we have, fr- we have friends we have who are interested li- in football. Yeah, and who live in football. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, fantastic. And um, as the kind of like national leaders of PAYS mentioned it being like a, a discipleship-based organisation, um, yeah. it was founded in 1992 Yes. in Manchester, not by you guys, by a great man called Paul Gibbs. Yeah. Um, and through Paul and obviously many, many of us, including yourselves, it's grown to be this kind of global mm. phenomenon, yeah. really, um, where it's ha- having an impact all over the, all over the world, 25 years on. Um, so yeah. how would you guys describe the heartbeat of Pays and what it is, what it's about? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's probably best summed up in our motto, 
um, which has been our motto for many, many years. Um, and that is missionaries making missionaries. Mm. So um, we seek to equip the followers of Jesus, not just to reach out to others, but to train those that they reach out to, yeah. to reach out to others. And then that almost like a, um, a ripple effect goes on and on. So missionaries making missionaries. Love making missionaries. Love uh, so we, we equip, the, the primary way that we do that at the moment is through a gap year. Um, where young adults come and from all other co- countries from around the world um, and they work with young people in schools. Um, the gap here is free, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, and um, they will equip them with how, to, how do you study the Bible and how do you teach others to study the Bible? Um, how, do you dis- how do you disciple and how do you train your disciples to disciple others? How do, you, um, how do we do mission and how can you take others along with you? Um, but we've we've started to realise that it's bigger than we uh, first imagined, and um, we're looking at how do we do this within business settings, how do we do it within university campuses, how do we do it um, with church plants, and and more than that, more than a gap year, we're more and more um, looking for opportunities and, and seeing doors open for us to get those those resources that we put in the hands of our gap year apprentices out to the wider church. Yeah. Uh, Wow. And to, to equip the church to advance so, the kingdom. So, does your role involve a lot of travel? I mean, as a family or as a couple, do you travel around the UK, around the world? Yeah, yeah, it does. So, at least um, once a year, we, we head to Dallas in Texas. Okay. And did you mention it, February? Yes. Um, and then lots of travel within the UK. Um, and then, yeah, other countries. So, I think we'll be in Germany in the summer. Mm. Um, wasn't that long ago that you were in South Africa? Yeah. And so we obviously pays in England and Northern Ireland, so okay. we're in Northern Ireland fairly regularly, like a couple of times a year we'll right. be in Northern Ireland. Yeah, yeah we one of us is in Germany every year, so we have a lot of uh, Germans that come and do pays okay. in the UK. So we go to see like, the cohort of Germans uh, every summer before they arrive. And yeah, like trips like South Africa and India, so that's been kind of the bizarre thing. Pace started as this really small thing in Manchester, really simple kind of idea, going to schools in North Manchester. Paul Gibbs was working on his own in, in a number of uh, high schools in North Manchester, going to these schools and then connect kids with local church. That was the basic idea of Pace, really. <clears throat> he grew a team. Uh, that team then helped him do his solo schools work. He became a team. The first pastor that we worked with named it Pays. He said, you guys are like, um, you're, you're like servants. You're serving um, young people. And that's what Pays means, you're youth servant or child servant. Nice. Like young people serving young people. Mm. So that's kind of where the name came from. And then somebody on the first team in 1992 said, if it works in North Manchester, could it work in East Manchester? And it just grew from there. Wow. <clears throat> And so kind of that, there's been an expansive nature to the vision just because people joined from other countries who then said similarly, to, in 1993, the question was, can this work in East Manchester? You know, <laughs> but the people have said, well, what about, I'm from Brazil, can I take it back to Brazil? Or wow. being a guy in Pakistan or these young guys from India came over and t- took it back. And wow. so that's, that's really been how it's grown. And then Paul, who started Pays, moved to America about 12 years ago. So he's based in Texas, um, which is why we go to Texas every year. Okay. Uh, and he moved to Texas to make that the global base of PACE so we could raise the resource of the church in North America to then resource a global movement. Yeah. Which in kind of the last 10 years, really, when I joined PACE, 
pretty much so everyone was British and all of our teams were in the UK. But then the past 10 years or so, it's yeah, it's become really global. Wow. And just talking about England for a second, how many missionaries have you currently got on the ground? Is, is it 100? Is that right? So, yeah, seven, 75 people on the ground. Yeah. Um, working in 20 different locations. Wow. Um, yeah, so, and they're from all over the world, Germany, America, um, Brazil, India, and then the UK, and, so, and a few other countries too. But yeah, 75 people on the ground. So right at the heart of the vision for Pays then is basically you're not happy just to kind of get people doing stuff that for themselves, are you? You kind of, the whole thing is about multiplication. So really your, your success is determined not in the people you're working with now, but in the people they work with and they work with and the kind yeah, of exponential. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Is that a fair assessment? We have this phrase, our successes and our successes. Yeah. yeah. Which, yeah, I, I love that phrase. And years ago for me, like this, <clears throat> I guess the visual image that sums up for me is wave after wave. Right. Yeah. Uh, and that's because of an experience, like a personal experience that happened. I, I joined Pays as a gap year, um, led a team when I was 19, and then when I was 21, was asked to take on Pays National when Paul, at this point, Paul, this is like 2003, Paul was leading Pays UK, beginning to develop global opportunities and was leading a local church where we had the Eden Project, the Eden team in Failsworth based, which is why Bryony came to Failsworth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I then moved to Failsworth to, um, to learn how to lead Pays nationally from Paul uh, as his successor, realised I was weighing over my head um, I realised I'd said something, yet said yes to something way bigger than me. Yeah. Uh, you know, I realised I couldn't do it as well. That's the um, normal leadership path. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Drowned under the responsibility. <laughs> Drowned under the waves. When, yeah. <laughs> went on a. I was on a family holiday. Went on a prayer walk. My prayer walk led, led me to the sea. Uh, you know, I walked into the sea, um, praying. You know, yeah. God. I need to know that you're in this. Um, and it was then the impact of the waves. As I walked into the water, the waves like literally impacted me. And as I was, as the waves would hit me, I'd pray for different people on page at the time. I ended up, you know, fully in the water, almost like a baptism experience, swimming mm. around. And then as I turned and faced the shoreline, I could see the, the impact the wave after wave had made on the landscape. And in that moment, I felt God speak to me to say, um, you know, I, I knew I was ill-equipped to lead a national organization, but I felt God say to me, I want you to lead a wave after wave movement of missionaries that erodes the kingdom of darkness and advance, advances the kingdom of God. Wow. Wow. So that's, um, that's what I've given my life to, really. Not, so I've, I've, we've learned how to lead an organization, but we were yeah. pretty, when, when we took it on, we were pretty young, and I, I would say I was pretty naive, you know. Mm. Um, how old were you? How old were you when you did when that happened? Just because I know a lot of our listeners are kind of twenties yeah. and thirties, they'd be interested to know. Both of I, our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I was twenty-one. Okay, when, wow. When I took on Pace National, so I fully took it over when I was That's maybe twenty-two, twenty-three. So twenty-one was like a year of training, uh, but during that year of training, I was very involved with. The whole leadership of plays, uh, yeah, maybe the 22 23 is when I fully took it on. But I, I would say the next few years, I still really struggled, um, with the enormity of what I'd taken on, yeah. So, probably until I was maybe 25, 20, I don't really know, until I really stepped into 
uh, stepped into it. But the past 10 years, we moved to Berlin in 2009, the past 10 years, I feel like we've really stepped into the fulfillment of Wave Off The Wave as we've helped start pays across the UK and then in Brazil and India and and South Africa. So those other nations have kind of come from our move to Burnley, which is kind of bizarre, really, that, you know, we left Manchester, came to Burnley, Mm -hmm. and now through that, we've trained people who have started pays Mm -hmm. in India, Brazil and South Africa. Amazing. Uh, And then, yeah, these these teams and this kind of strength of pays in the UK has come from that moment as well. So wave after wave, missionaries making missionaries, success in our successes, that is the heartbeat. That's the heartbeat, yeah. And and Bryony, because obviously like you weren't with Pete when he was like swimming in the ocean and (laughs) experiencing this profound moment. So how did you come to kind of share that same heart and vision? Was it that Pete came back and spoke to you about it and you were like, yeah, get it, or did God speak to you in a certain way? No, see, we we weren't actually together at that point. So probably around that time, I was just moving to Manchester. Yeah. And um, I, I first one of the first times I went to Manchester was in uh, the year 2000 to Message 2000. Yeah. Which people may remember. Yeah, and very well. Yeah. Very well. Were you there? Um, we may we got married that year, but uh, we I feel like we were involved. I, I feel something. like we were on the edges yeah. of something. We if, if we weren't there, I know we had lots of friends. We had friends in Withenshaw and involved with Eden oh, and all yeah. that kind of stuff. So yeah, I remember it yeah. well. <laughs> I, so I went to Message 2000 when I was 15, and um, I when I tell my story, I say I fell in love with two things that, that week, Mission and Manchester. Yeah. And I remember going home to my parents in the south of England and saying, when I'm 18, I'm going to move to Manchester, and I'm wow. going to move onto an inner city estate, and I'm going to live there for five years. And they were like, oh, that's nice. <laughs> it's a long way away. <laughs> and it wasn't, that they, it wasn't that they minded. They were very supportive of me following what God had for me, um, they weren't frightened for me moving into that environment. They just mm. thought it's a really long way away. <laughs> we might not see you so often. So um, that was in my heart for those three years, from 15 to 18. And at times, really frustrating. I remember yeah. at the end of my first year of A-levels, walking into the office of the, de- the head of sixth form and saying, um, I, I'm not, I'm not going to do my second year. I'm going to go and I'm going to do Eden like a year early because I've heard they might take people early. And him, in his wisdom, he was like, that's not a good idea. So I came out of that office going, right, that's not a good idea. I'm going to do my second year of A-levels. Because um, I, I, I enjoyed school and I, I was quite academic, but I just had this such burning passion to do this thing yeah. that I'd kind yeah. of discovered at age 15. Because for me, having been to like a kids' camp in my church every year from sort of age seven, having been to Soul Survivor for a lot of years, for me, actually more spiritual growth and transformation came when I put my faith into action yeah. that summer than yeah. all the other summers where I went to something for me. And of course, I wasn't I wasn't more selfish than the average person going to something for me, but actually putting my faith into action really changed me. Um, and that's why I love that th- through what we do, we give people mission opportunities yeah. because I think it's not just about the people you reach out to, but it's about the transformation that takes place in you when you, when you really have to put your faith into practice. Um, so age 18, I finally got to Manchester. Um, um, yeah, I was engaged in that mission project that's Eden, that's very closely linked to Pays. And I actually came, I became part of Pays for a really different reason. So, so mission, it was, it was from age 15, was a really important part of my life. Really felt like that's what I want to give my life to in whatever way that looks. But I, um, the reason that I actually kind of I joined Pays was um, because there was a need. Um, and so I, yeah. I don't know who said it first, but um, someone once said, the need is the call. Mm-hmm. And 
sometimes we talk about what's God calling us to and I think it was just a really practical thing really that there was a yeah. need for um, kind of running the office team so overseeing all the administration um, and I thought well that's a need that I can meet and it facilitates mission so why not yeah <laughs> I mean, it's just part of leaving my job that I had a salary to be a full-time volunteer so that's a fair reason why you might say why not <laughs> yeah. nice yeah <laughs> but I, I didn't want that to stop me and um my journey through place has been quite different in that I started doing a lot of administration and really supportive work and for a long time I thought that was the main thing that I was meant to do mm. and then I realized actually that I put myself in a box yeah it's something that I'm good at but I'd kind of boxed myself in by my my strength was becoming like a limitation to me mm. and so over the years I've had more opportunities to lead perhaps more opportunities to communicate more opportunities to invest in people and at times kind of looked and thought who is this person like I I, I pinned myself mm. in as a, an administrative person and that's mm. not to say that if that is your gift that's limiting but I think it was I was starting to allow it to li li limit me yeah. um so yeah that's been a little bit of, of my journey to where we are today where we we work together and kind of share that role and bring our own unique gifts to that role really wow that's so helpful there's so much in that I've just written down notes from what you just said <laughs> wow. um, I loved what she's you written a book <laughs> <laughs> um I think there's a real message to young leaders about not rushing the phase that that god yeah. has them, the season that god has them in because i think passion can push us through to a place that we're not ready for so yeah. you were saying um i mean we were just we we talk a lot with young people even this week yesterday some, yesterday we were speaking yeah. to somebody who she may listen to this who is just about to finish her a levels and wants to pack it in already because she is yeah. feeling the call of god she is excited about what's in the future but she wants it now and we had yeah, to be yeah. we had to be the principal in the in the office and say yeah. probably not a good idea and I wonder yeah. if you know that's such an important message is actually it you is, yeah. feel the call of God you feel the passion for the future yeah but yeah. doing the work is just as important like doing that time and, and, and being faithful in what and the season can you speak some more into that could you say a bit I mean, either of you about yeah. about that whole thing of just waiting the season through yeah definitely I think I think one of the challenges for me was that the I'd really enjoyed my high school experience that I'd moved to a different sixth form where some of us joined from another school but lots of people had been there year 9 10 and 11 and so year 12 and 13 was a really strange experience for me whereby um we, we kind of felt like we were the outsiders and everybody else knew each other yeah um and I, I became when I look back now it's quite it's crazy that if I didn't understand something in class, I was too frightened to put my hand up, which if you'd seen me in high school and if you saw me now, you, that wouldn't match with what you, what you yeah. see or yeah. what you saw. And, and I became a different person and, and it, it was a really difficult environment to be in. So it wasn't, just the, it wasn't just the academic stuff. It wasn't just the passion in my heart to do something. Really, I think it was because I wanted to escape the situation that I was in. Yeah. And I think what I've come to realise sort of as I've got older is those persevering through the stuff that is really difficult yeah. is what develops our character yes. and actually equips us for leadership yeah. and if, if I had if I just given up and escaped it for some even if it's for something I was really passionate about and God was calling me to but done it too early I don't mm -hmm. think I would have learned some important lessons that have actually prepared me for leadership Definitely, that I yeah. use very good 
So like our daughter is um, doing tag rugby at the moment in PE and she doesn't wow. like it. And she's like, oh, I don't want to do PE, it's tag rugby. <laughs> and I just keep saying to her, well, okay, let's not think, don't think about, it's about tag rugby. Think about this is preparing you for how do you respond to the things you have to do in life exactly. that you just don't like doing. That's right. Like exactly. how do you make the best of that opportunity? Yeah. And um, and yeah. she, she enjoyed it last week, which was like, yeah. oh, I, I love that. That's a massive, that's a massive, massive lesson <laughs> yeah. because... Yeah. you can end up like getting so frustrated that people either like jump the gun and try to get into something too soon and go ahead of God or they just yeah. get so frustrated they just get bitter and take themselves out of the game so that kind of place that yeah. you manage to find of persevering is is really important and Pete yeah. I'm interested just a little bit in your your story of like I know a lot of young people who have quite a big vision or receive quite a big vision from God but then there's that moment where they've got to go and share that with others and actually put it into practice. So can you just talk briefly about those first couple of years where you said you were naive, you didn't know what you were doing. What did you actually do um, after you'd kind of gone for a swim and received a great you know, yeah. like vision from God? What, yeah, what, were, you, what were your next steps? Yeah, that's a, that is a great question. Well, Probably can't remember now, can you? <laughs> <laughs> a long well, time ago. My, so my initial thoughts from um, from your question were like, the simplicity of why I joined Pays was because my youth leader changed my life. Yeah. Wow. So the simplicity for me was I want to do for other people what someone did for me. Very good. So wave after wave, in a lot of ways, if I'm really honest, uh, at that. For the early years, it wasn't about um, the bigness of it. Yeah. It was the next wave. So right, for me, that, that was kind of the vision that if I create the next wave, um, and if I create the, so if I can invest in other people and teach them how to invest in other people, then we can do the big thing. So if I'm honest, the big thing of eroding the kingdom of darkness, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Escape, yeah hasn't really been at the forefront of my mind for the for over the past 15 years. Right. I guess what's been at the forefront of my mind as an application of that word has been invest in the next wave. Right. Uh, that's what that's my story. My youth leader, he became a Christian when he was a young adult. He invested into a small group of young people, which was me and my closest friends. And there's only we were, I was in quite a small youth group. There's I don't know three. There was, there was a, a wider group, but there's three of us that he really invested into. Um, and I do what I do now. My best friend is a pastor of a church in Bristol. Um, and that's it's that's the fruit of my youth leader's labour, so to speak. Yeah. So there's, a, there's a bunch of people he invested into. Some people didn't really respond to that investment, but there's two of us who can now look back 20 years ago when we were young people and say... It was that youth leader's investment. So that that was a big thing, I guess. Yeah. Uh, was it's about the next wave. It wasn't about the grandeur of the of this vision. And I think I, I think maybe when I was first in leadership, I got a bit lost with the bigness of the vision. Yeah. What helped me was the smallness. You know, was yeah. focus on the next wave. Focus on the people that God has given you. Um, you know, rate invest in those people so if one of those people you know dan randall was somebody we interviewed yeah. we interviewed 10 years ago when he yeah. was 18 uh you know be, he, he grew up in church went to soul survivor joined pace from soul survivor had just been on a mission trip to south africa so he joined us with all this potential and all this energy but 18 years old and he's just finished his time on pace two weeks ago and he's yeah. now the national leader 
of wow. Hope Revolution. Fantastic. Uh, in a national voice. Incredible. Um, with youth ministry in the UK, youth pastor in our church. He's this great guy. And we're, nef- we're definitely not taking all the credit, you know. Yeah. Uh, no, I you know, would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a number of people like that where we can say, for me, it was always about the next wave. Yeah. So in a lot of ways, that's been the Pays Apprentices, those people that have joined the Pays Apprenticeship for one year or two years or however long that is. And then, like, like with you guys, there's other people in life. So there's those people in your direct organization or for us in our local church as well. But then other, other people that we just, um, you know, that you, you bump into in life and you get a voice into their life yeah. for a season. Yeah. For a pays gap year, that season might be a gap year, the academic year. Um, that season, it might start as a gap year like it did with Dan and go way beyond that, like 10 years. Mm. Uh, we still have a voice in his life even though he's not working for our organisation anymore. I think that helped me was like, do what's in front of you. Yeah. Um, oh, that simple principle for me of um, what what was done for me, I want to do for other people. I love that. Might change my life. Now I want to be a youth leader. Yeah. And, and actually in a way, you've, you've let God kind of deal with the bigness of that but you've concentrated yeah. on the small really side. Yeah. yeah, that's amazing. And I think that's applicable, isn't it, for yeah. any vision, if it's not just this. It's actually yeah. always keeping the big vision in mind, but actually then doing the next thing, doing the next way, yeah. doing the next step. Yeah. Um, so like leadership traits, you know, I don't know if you come across the, the, the three Cs, character, competency, chemistry. Yeah. Um, so when I was a young leader, I think the thing that was naturally there was character. Like I was always... I'm just like a nice person, you know. And there was like this, there was this like inbuilt character that was in there. When, when I was when I first got like leadership opportunities or like a platform or a profile or people knew your name, I remember this must have been the Holy Spirit because I just remember this instinctive thought when I was about 20, 21 years old of don't believe your own hype. And yeah. I think that was like yeah. a really helpful wisdom character word. Of yeah. suddenly I was going to get platforms and uh, my name being, you know, people knowing my name or whatever. Um, so that was really helpful for me as like a next step with this wave of the wave vision mm. of don't believe you're on hype. Because just as much as people praised me at 21 or 22, I got a lot of criticism as well sure. and a lot of tough stuff. So that yeah. not believing my own hype and, and like holding on to character was helpful. And a massive thing was the competency thing was learning skills. Yeah. So... I think what was, in one way, almost unhelpful was everything I did at 18, 19, 20, I was really good at, naturally. I was just, I didn't think I'd be a good schools worker, but I was, you know. Yeah. I'd do a talk in a school, and it would go amazing. So for like three years, it's like everything I touched turned to gold. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly, I was in this new role, and I had—I I was incompetent yeah. at everything, you know. Yeah. I, and that, that was a, a bit of a shock. Um, but what was helpful was... There's, certain, there's things you can learn. There's, there's some things that are really hard to learn. Some of the character stuff is hard to learn. It's hard to learn how to be um, a good person. You know that takes a lot of uh, inner, I guess, inner learning. But some competency skills like communication, organisation, some of those really boring things, but really crucial things. Yeah. That's massive for me. Of just learning, yeah, learning those kind of competency skills around that era, around that era. Um, and then from an organisational point of view because we were like leading a national charity trustees or finances or you know, all that kind of stuff that yeah. was also crucial 
It doesn't sound glamorous. Mm-hmm. No. So the, stru- the structure behind the vision then, isn't it? Actually, yeah. you guys yeah. working it out. Yeah. That was another thing I think I, I really committed to teachable. So it, it is linked to character. It's about being teachable. Yes. yes. Realising, okay, I'm, I'm young, I'm enthusiastic, things are going well, but uh, or things now are not going well. Um, do I remain humble? Do I remain teachable? That's good. Do I listen to the wisdom of elders mm. and do it? I think... If Paul Gibbs was asking, answering this question about what I, what he observed that I learned was that I, I listened and I applied stuff, you know, yeah, which, which, in one way, sounds really easy and simple, doesn't it? But like that, I, I, I know that's not a lot of people's story that they just listen and mm. apply wisdom. Right. I'd encourage your listeners with that. Like yeah. Listen. Listen to what Dave and Leah are saying. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Just so do good. It. So good. Fantastic. So how how do you develop great young leaders? How do you develop that kind of stuff in um other, you know, up and coming leaders, people you're mentoring, discipling, working into? How do you and even this character competency chemistry stuff, how do you some of that I know it's it's individual, isn't it? People have to be responsible for that. But what's your part in raising up great young leaders? Yeah, I think my my thought on this is, is kind of really practical. Um, so I don't know if you want to start with something else. Okay, well, um, <laughs> yeah, because the last thing we want is practical <laughs> on this podcast. <laughs> we love it all. So I guess, well, yeah, one practical thing would be proximity, like being close to them, relationship. Yeah. yeah. Again, like. The wave thing is this image, but look, what's great about the waves, there's always another wave. Yeah. Like that's what really hit me, what literally hit me that day was one wave hits you, and then before you know it, another wave hits you. So I think there's there's a lot to be said about proximity and closeness yeah. to those that you're developing. Good. So within our structure, what that looks like is those that we're, if it's a team leader or a staff member that we're mentoring or discipling, that we just, we're in contact with them regularly. We right. see them face to face. We speak to them. We have these intentional mentoring discipleship times. Um, so that's that's a big thing, yeah, proximity. My go-to for this kind of stuff is always Barnabas. Like he, um, I just Barnabas is one of my heroes. Mm-hmm. So like Paul, the Apostle Paul writes the half, half of the New Testament, you know, becomes this crucial leader for the early church, uh, creates a lot of the doctrine that we believe. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this massively important guy. But without Barnabas, I don't know if we'd get Paul. And right. Barnabas is the encourager. Barnabas is the one who raises Paul up. I'm so appreciative that I had a Justin. You know, so for me, my Barnabas was Justin. Right. He was my youth leader that invested into me when I was this quiet, shy, introverted, 13, 14-year-old mm-hmm. uh, with long hair and a beard. You know, <laughs> so that when and when a lot of people didn't really essential for anything really. Justin got involved in my life. So that Barnabas thing of yeah, investing, taking risks, risks on people, encouragement, um, yeah, being involved in people's lives. You know, take, taking risks is massive, isn't it? Because I, I've got plenty of great stories, like a Dan, who you take a risk on this person and yeah. you see God do something amazing. And like you guys, I'm sure, yeah. I've got plenty of stories where you take risks on someone and it didn't go, it, in the, certainly in the short term, it didn't go so well. Yeah. Uh, and maybe it blew up in your face a little bit. And I've, I, I, you know, yeah, it does. I've a lot of my stories as well. Yeah, yeah it does. <laughs> so, Bryony, what about you? What that's that's really helpful. It's very helpful. Yeah. Practical yeah, tips. I think, yeah, quite practical. 
cool. I think when it comes to raising leaders, I think we have to give them opportunities yeah. Yeah. and then feedback yeah. and then another opportunity. Yeah. So I think maybe the, some of the blockages to raising up leaders is two extremes. Of um, We don't want to give anything away, so we keep it to ourselves. We control freak tendencies, perhaps. And so somebody doesn't have an opportunity to kind of ha- have a go. Um, yeah. And Or the other, the other extreme is we let someone have a go at something we don't give them any guidance in the process. We don't um, we don't give them any feedback afterwards, and then we don't give them another opportunity. So I think giving people opportunities to get involved in things. So in a youth group, for example, that might be it. it could be sharing their testimony as mm. part of the preach. It might be doing the whole preach. It might be leading the welcome. It might be creativity in the games. It it might be running the tuck shop. Or, or, or just so many different things that. You can feel your to do this with as a leader and think, actually, are there some young leaders that could start to do some of these things yeah. alongside me? Give it yeah. away. And then get inside them, getting not just kind of releasing them to do it and hoping it goes well, but kind of training them up, doing some of it maybe alongside them, and then giving them more opportunity, like giving them more responsibility. So, you know, maybe you're gonna share your testimony as part of my preach on a Friday night, and then maybe the next month um, we're gonna do half and half. And then maybe the next month you're going to get to you're going to get to do the whole thing. Yeah. But always giving feedback, so helping them see what other things that um, were brilliant and they should do again. Um, and then maybe one thing that that they can develop in either maybe don't do that or develop in, and then another opportunity. So I think when you do so, especially if it's a public thing, when when you do, for example, that like if you stand up in front of your peers and you share the message on a on a Friday night, that's so brave, so courageous, yeah. so scary, so vulnerable, and then to get no feedback, it just yeah. leaves you thinking, uh, it's true. How yeah. did I do? Yeah. Or to get feedback, but then not have the opportunity to put that feedback into practice. I think that's really unfair. Um, so yeah, just really practically, an opportunity, some feedback, and an opportunity yeah. to put that that's feedback. Really good. Yeah. Very practical. Very helpful. Almost the way Jesus did it as well, eh? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 Fan- yeah, I love that. Fantastic. Um, anything else from you, um, Pete? About like things that you would do, maybe like to to really develop. Um, and so you, you've got a kind of summary that you see leadership potential yeah. in. Anything else that you would do or you'd recommend us doing? Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Um, so one, like a session that I do with people, a one-on-one session that I do with people, once I've kind of got to know them a little bit, or like it's already been established that there's now some kind of mentoring, discipleship relationship, I'm speaking to life either because they've asked for my voice or because I've said, hey, it'd be great to spend spend more time with you. Yeah. Uh, a session I do is called Shape. It's, uh, I was going to say based. It's nicked from uh, Rick Warren's book, okay. Purpose in Life. Uh, and in that book, he talks about shape, uh, which is like an acronym. Yeah. Spiritual gifts, heart, abilities, personality, experiences. So I found that a really helpful session that I do with those that I'm pouring into so spiritual gifts, we look at uh, 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, uh, what has God placed inside of you, what, what other people seen. So as we read those two lists, and I read those two lists on purpose because 1 Corinthians 12 is like the power gifts. Romans 12 talks about things like uh, leadership or serving or administration as gifts of the Spirit. Yeah. So we look at this whole kind of um, plethora of gifts of the Spirit and make it really clear they're all gifts of the, they're all gifts of the same Holy Spirit. Um, 
Like which one? Which ones do we see within you? Heart. What are you passionate about? Uh, what makes you angry? What's your complaint? Uh, you know, all all that kind of stuff. So we look at yeah. different angles and try and really base the rest of that discipleship mentoring relationship on what God's put in them. So I'm not trying to make them me, you know. Yeah. I'm not trying to make them somebody else. Yeah. We're, we're recognizing here's what God has put inside of you. Here's the shape yeah. that God has put inside of you. I often see it as the, like clues. If the question is what's God's will for their life, the clues are often in their shape. That's really Just helpful. That's, that's, so good. that's so good. So good. I'm going to nick that, and I'll probably <laughs> say it was my idea. Is that all right? <laughs> yeah. That's great. And, and um, there's some real practical things for people to consider and think for them. We'll try and link something on this as well to that for people to find out more about the shape stuff. Um, just as we start to come to a land, uh, I'm quite interested because me and Leah, um, despite we sound quite disconnected whenever we do this me time podcast, but we are, you know, we do quite a do lot we? of stuff together. Yeah, well, a lot do of we? people complain that we're, you know. Um, I have not seen these complaints. That we're working sorry. out our marriage issues through the podcast. Um, but you guys do quite a lot of leading together, don't you? Can you just give us a couple of um, hints for how to lead as a couple for those people that are doing that or wanting to develop that more? Yeah, yeah. great, yeah, yeah. I think it's really important to... Um, recognize as in any team the unique part that you play in that two-person team yeah um, and not kind of think well I need to think exactly the same as the other person but realize actually it's it's a real gift that you bring different strengths and different perspectives to the table um, and yet be able to and, and so because of that um, there'll probably be disagreements because you'll see things differently mm-hmm. um, and try to see that as a gift um, rather than trying to get the other person over to your side to Are you agree. Are this, this is really good, not just for leadership. Yeah. Have you actually arranged this as like a, a marriage session? Is it, that what it really it, is? It's, it's like you're looking into our soul. <laughs> we were in, um, we were in a, a meeting recently with some of our staff and we were talking about something and I, Pete said one thing and I said, I totally disagree, this is how I see it. Really? And, I just knew neither of us were going to change our perspectives. So I yeah. said to the rest of the team, like, let's have another voice. What does anyone else say? And it was, so, it was someone that knew us quite well that spoke up. And I suddenly thought, no, everyone thought they were in the middle of a domestic. They didn't want to say it. Yeah. And, and, and our friend with a lot of wisdom was able to kind of show us a third way. But rather than us feeling like, why will you not see it how I see it? Or mm. thinking, oh, I should see it how you see it. Realising that's a gift that we see it differently. Yeah. We just really need to know how to to use that as a gift, um, not yeah. as a... Do you agree with that, Pete, or completely disagree? <laughs> <laughs> That's really good. Yeah, preferring each other, mutual submissions, we try and practice that kind of yeah. biblical view yeah. of marriage. And uh, I guess I was thinking, um, like, at the beginning, when we weren't together, my, what my, um, I guess my prayer or what I was looking for, I, I had a few almost relationships uh, before I got together with Bryony. Um, but kind of made me think, okay, what am I looking for here? What am mm. I looking for in, in, a, in a life partner? And one of the things uh, I, I really wanted was someone whose life was headed in the same direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So not like literally um, that we were the, the same person, but I didn't want to be with someone who had to compromise their call for, for my call or vice versa. But I guess like the dream was 
you're seeking first the kingdom of God, walking along your path, and then someone comes along who's also seeking first the kingdom of God, and then you walk that path together. Yeah. That's the dream, is it? I know that's not yes. everyone's story. Yeah. Uh, I guess for any young leaders with us who are single, yeah. I would say pray that prayer. Yeah. yeah. Seek Amen. first the kingdom of God, and then ask God to provide someone who's also seeking first the yeah. kingdom of God. So I think we recognize that was our story. I was on Pays, Brandon was on Eden. Um, you know, we were 20, 21 and 18 when we first met each other. Um, yeah. And so we were seeking God individually, and then it kind of became quite natural to seek first the kingdom of God together. Yeah, yeah there's loads of things that then throw up tension, like working together, yeah. Yeah. running an organization together, where, you, where it's maybe going through a tough time or yeah. finances were challenged. One of you is the lead. So in the early days, I was leading and Brian was in charge of the finances. You know, so <laughs> what a combo! Already, <laughs> vision and finances, oh. and so that you know, and we were young and Paige was in a tough spot at that time. Yeah. And we did, we, at that point, we didn't work in the office on the same day because we had a really small child. Oh, yeah, yeah. So we'd have these discussions like around the dinner table while yeah. the one-year-old is like, "Give me my food." Yeah. So children come along and then parenting. So, you know, oh, yeah. to parent together, do marriage together uh, and then lead together. So we're, we're leading in local church and in pays and in other things together. So we're, not, we're still not perfect. But I think, you know, I think we are, I think that, you know, there's some good we're stuff in there. Better. We're getting better. You're improving. Yeah. It's quite cool that because it's, it's interesting because um, you talk about having the same heart and vision for the kingdom of God. Mm. But then yeah. that's on the one hand, and then but equally important is then that you allow each other to express your individual gifts yeah. and yeah. perspectives yeah. and talents. Yeah, I think that early in our marriage, like I used to think that Leah had to do exactly the same as me, and that was our way of partnership was basically doing the same thing, wasn't it? Like it's not partnership. And, and it, well, that's not partnership. That's just <laughs> me saying do what I do, and yeah. you know, it's like I've got this skill set. You need to do the same if you share this vision. Okay. Whereas mm. actually now. Mm. We, we do very different things in many ways, but we have the same yeah. heart and vision. So I think as well, the more that we're aware of personality types, I mean, goodness, yes. there are that many ways of defining that. But actually, it's really helpful because we all bring yeah. our different strengths to the table, whether it's yeah. in marriage yeah. or a leadership team or, a, you know, whatever it is, or an office environment, we all... And I think it's not just knowing about yourself, but it's understanding the people that you're with and, and yeah. who you're working yeah. with and what they bring and understanding, okay, that's what's going on there. Um, one of the yeah. questions we've just... One of the yeah. questions... Oh, sorry, go on, Pete. Were you going to say oh, sorry, something? I was just agreeing that that was massive for us. Yes. I think because we felt so similar because we're, you know, we're both full-time in mission, both British, yeah. both from Christian families, you know, both, et cetera, et cetera, that we felt yes. so similar... When we actually got married, we realised we're really different. We're from very different families, yeah. Yeah. very different values in our yeah, upbringing. Yes. Um, one's a boy, know, one's a girl. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, similar for us. That was we were very, very similar story. Um, yeah. One, one question that has come in recently that we may end up doing a whole podcast on was how do you lead together when you've got young children? So kind of baby toddler phase. Oh, now, you're asking that as well. I know, I'm so sorry, but you know, podcast. how can we not oh, ask them that? Yeah. <laughs> because we've got our story, obviously, um, but uh, a young couple did say, can you please, you know, they want us to help them with that. We will do a whole podcast We will do a whole topic. podcast, but why yeah. don't, they could add, these guys could add their little bits. Yeah, give us a yeah. quote. Give us a little, uh, uh, some some words of wisdom into that. <laughs> yeah. I think it's, I think 
it's really important to see the the whole thing as shared. Yeah. Yeah. So so we share family, we share the home, we share the ministry, we share the money making. Yeah. However however that looks. And so for us and for us I I was not as involved when our children were young. That was a decision I wanted to make. But I wasn't in the office and I wasn't paid. <laughs> but when they were asleep, I was on my emails and I was calling yes. people and I was doing yeah. meetings and things. But day to day, people was a lot more involved. And so then was doing a lot more traveling. Um, and and I think I think you have to have those honest conversations about how are we going to share this. Yeah. And so if, if you decide one of you is going to stay home, for the majority of the time, one of you is going to continue to work or do ministry for the majority of the time. That's that's how you share it. But I think it's important to have that conversation rather than making assumptions yeah, and, and, and have that ongoing conversation yeah, and being, being willing to. So yesterday, um, I got to go to a conf- the youth evangelism conference. We we got to share about our um, and I took our girls dancing. Yeah, oh, nice. Good on you. To go, and there've been other times where it's been the other way around. Yeah. And mm. I know you would have wanted to be there, wouldn't you? I did want to be um, there. <laughs> and so, so being able, able to sacrifice for the other. Yeah. Um, and I do remember a quote that I after I was with toddlers, I heard. I think it was I heard that Bobby Houston said that she decided when hers were young that she would make sure she remembered that Brian's fruit was her fruit. Yeah. So it, whoever decides that perhaps you're going to take a bit of a back step, back seat because children are quite demanding yeah. um, but to realise that we're still doing this together mm. even if I feel like That's I'm stuck so at home yeah. doing the nappies and things that sometimes can just feel quite meaningless mm. uh, or mundane um, that this is our fruit it's our journey and it's just mm. a season it yeah. doesn't last forever that. yeah that's brilliant that that's wonderful it's brilliant that's, Apps, yeah. there's a little pin in that one because we've got a whole we're going we're gonna to expand on some of what Brian has said there and do a whole podcast on it maybe the next one you and me do we'll do on that Sounds interesting good. yeah um, so just as we kind of come to land uh, I just got, I'm going to ask you I'm going to put you on the spot coming to land again we've um, been circling the runway well I, well I was ready to land and you suddenly started you, you launched a whole subcategory of uh, leading with children um, so um, I just want you to imagine back to your 19 20 year old self starting out as a leader what would you want to say to him if you had one sentence to be able to say to him now what would you want to say to your younger self I would say discover who you are and lead with conviction out of who you are. Wow. That's good. Am I allowed to expand that or not? Um, I, yeah, because Pete looks like he's really stumped. <laughs> yes, expand. He's yes. actually, people won't see this on the podcast, but Pete's on the internet now, he's Googling. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, just, it's really easy to think that, that leadership is a certain style or a certain personality um, that it looks a certain way. I, I, I joke, my brother has this book that he used to wind me up with called Leadership is Male. <laughs> and um, nice. to think that leadership is a certain gender. And, and my conviction is that it's not. It, that the, the best leaders are the ones who discover who they are, all that's within them, all yeah. that God's kind of jam-packed in them when they were born onto the planet and then lead strong, like with strength out of that conviction of who they are. Um, I think those people make the best leaders. Love that. Love it. Yeah. Pete, you've had a lot of time to think now. I've not, I've not forgotten anything to say anywhere near as good as that. Just, I guess, if, yeah, like keep on going, like keep on serving, uh, keep on following, like all the simple stuff, really. I think that's that's the thing for me that it was when I was 18, 19, it was very simple. Yeah. 
Um, I'm doing this because someone did this for me. I want to help young people because my youth leader helped me. I, I'm doing this because I love Jesus. You know, yeah. I'm doing this because I, I believe in the kingdom of God. I'm doing this because I believe the best is yet to come. I'm just serving. You know, so like at the 18, 19, I wasn't serving because of an organizational agenda or whatever. I, I didn't have a, a concept of an organizational agenda or, you know, targets and that kind of stuff. I just, I just served. Yeah. Uh, I loved, um, you know, out of, an, out of an expression of being loved. So I think I'd want to say, like, don't get cynical, don't get tired of doing good. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, keep on serving, keep on loving. Um, don't, don't, don't get burnt out. I think that was a mistake I made was it was maybe doing too much, mm. um, too quickly. Uh, like, give yourself a break. Let you know, let people love you as well as you throwing yourself, loving other people. But yeah, just keep on going, and, and the best. You know, Brian is just. Uh, quoted Bobby Houston, so let's quote Brian Houston. <laughs> That's a great way to finish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the best is yet to come. There is more. There is more. Yeah. yeah. Guys, that's brilliant. Thank you so much. Just want to thank you guys you. for coming on our podcast, but also just for all you're doing, um, you know, in the long term, over years and years and years, to sow into the nations in discipling and raising up leaders who then go on and do the same. Thank you so much for that. And Thank you. heaven knows the impact that you're making. Yes. And, and keep going because we know that there's a great harvest to come. Amen. So. Amen. Thank yeah. you, guys. How can people get hold of you if they want to contact you or reach out about well, Pays? Not like a personal phone. No. <laughs> you can't do that on a podcast. Are you on the internet? Are you, so do you do social interweb. media? <laughs> Yes, yeah. we're both on Facebook, just our names, Brandy Baker, Pete Baker. Yeah. We're both on Instagram. Yeah. Um, I think I'm Pete Baker. Oh, no, I'm Hayes Baker. Hayes Baker, 81. We'll find you. Uh, yeah. yeah. Brandy Baker, I think. We have a slightly unusual name. You, you don't have to yeah. put numbers yeah, in. Yeah, no, you don't. It's great. <laughs> That's fine. And we'll, um, we'll also post the links for uh, Pays as well if people are actually because there may be some people who are interested in actually joining one of your gap years yeah. and getting involved um, we would love to do some happy recruitment for you all guys thanks very much and we'll see you soon thank you, thank you. bye